our series called Vision, and what we're talking about is our mission statement. We do this every year in January. If you look on your bulletin in the back, you'll see uh, reach, restore, and respond. And this is the lifeblood, kind of the three pillars that our church ministries all flow out of. And so um, last week we talked about reach and why, as a church, we go out to get rather than receive. We don't sit here waiting for people to come. We go out, we help them, we're part of the community. And so uh, one of the ways that we talk about our mission statement is in these circles uh, that kind of put everyone into one of these bands. Uh, The first is the community, and those are just the people uh, in our neighborhood and that you connect with at work and in your, in your um, neighborhoods and things like that. Just the people we know that would just come in contact with Living Spring because of you and because of me and because of where we are and all those types of things. And then there's the crowd. The crowd are, are, are people who might actually end up on uh, campus here. So Toys for Tots, we had a huge crowd of people here, uh, like 800 to be exact. And so that was a crowd. Now they may come to church here. They may not come to church here, but they're just part of the crowd. And then there's the congregation. That's people who would attend church here. And they might only come on Christmas and Easter, but they would identify Living Spring as their church. And so uh, that's the congregation. And then there's the committed. Those are the people who try to get here every week. When Bob says it's better because you're here, they get tired of hearing that because they're always here. And so that's the, that's the committed. Others are just like, wow, I've never heard that before. It's like, well, okay. And then uh, there's the core. And those are the people who are heavily invested here financially in, their, in, 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 in serving. They're in leadership positions and all that. And our mission statement covers all of these people. So the first one would be reach. And that's to go out into the community, to talk to people in the crowd, to share the love of Jesus. And so we say we reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father. We reach because God reached out and grabbed a hold of us. So we reach. uh, uh, Restore is what we're going to talk about this morning. And that's all a part of personal holiness. And we'll get into this a little bit more. But it's just basically living our lives the way God intended us to live our lives. Fully whole, done with sin and the things that hold us down, the things that get us stuck, okay, restore. And then respond, we don't just sit and get restored and listen and learn Bible verses and so that we can know more than the next guy or gal. We, we respond to a move of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, uh, even people who have just been reached are already responding to a move of the Holy Spirit in some type of ministry or something. And it doesn't, it doesn't go in order. God's spirit can move you to do lots of different things regardless of where you are in the restoration process. And so what we like to say is we like to take someone from a first-time visitor to a fully devoted follower of Christ. And that's kind of how we, how we look at it. And so last week we talked about this. We reach our neighborhood and surrounding communities with the love of the Father. We restore lives to healthy relationship in the Son. And then next week we'll talk about responding to a move of the Spirit. But this is what we mean by Restore. It's like, it's, it's like setting a broken bone. Your, your bone is designed not to stick out the side of your leg, right? Which we've seen uh, just recently in some football things. But uh, the, to bring it back to the way it was supposed to be. To fix what is broken. Uh, to bring back into proper alignment or to supply what is lacking. Just a real short definition would be to bring back to the intended purpose. That's what it means to be restored. The Bible calls this shalom. 
the way things ought to be. God wants shalom. He wants peace. He wants restoration. We call it uh, universal flourishing, the way things ought to be. So um, I uh, bought a 66 Mustang uh, quite a, a while ago. That's not it. Although sometimes I feel like that was it. Um, but when you look at a car like this, this, this is a fastback, you, you, there's a bunch of things that go through your mind if you're a guy or whatever, just human nature. Um, if you know what this car is supposed to look like, um, you might have feelings of like disappointment. Like, man, or maybe anger. Who allows that to happen to such a beautiful machine? Or, or maybe judgment. If I had one of those, it would never look like that. Or maybe just you're overwhelmed. You're just like, oh, gosh, just let's light it on fire and be done with it. Like that, that, that's just too much. But all of us have a sense for what that is supposed to look like. If, if that came, if you went into the factory showroom at floor and, and you went, let's see what you got. They said, well, we got this beauty right here, right? You, I mean, obviously, you'd just be like, nah, I'm a, you know, we all have a sense. Now, your sense, it might be blue, uh, powder blue uh, specifically. Uh, it, it, it might be red. It might be black or whatever. You just kind of get this sense of this is not, this is not the way it's supposed to be. That car has too much potential, there's a show uh, on Velocity Channel that I, I love and I hate all at the same time. It's called Overhauling, and it's with Chip Foose, who's just this brilliant artist who works on cars, and he's just unbelievable. And so um, the cool thing about Overhauling is they take somebody's nasty old car that they've been working on for a long time, and they steal it with the help of somebody in the family or a friend or whatever, and they they in five days, they go through the whole car from bumper to bumper, all the wiring, everything, sound system, motor, paint. It gets this custom paint job. I, I put a couple before and afters on there. The one on the left is the before of this old, really old Porsche. And then, uh, but they also do like this VW Bug uh, before and after. And, and there's just, the list can go on and on and on. And there was this one Mustang that I, I had to, ask for forgiveness uh, by looking at the picture. But in any event, um, so they go through this thing. And what I love about it is that you, you see this transformation and it's just awesome. The thing I hate about it is having owned one of those cars, I'm like, couldn't they just steal mine? <laughs> like you get kind of jealous. Like, but then you realize that these people... They've like done a lot. They've given back to society and I haven't done any of that stuff. So I know they're not going to take my car and help me. And so you just sit there with your car knowing I'm going to have to do all this. And so it's kind of disappointing. You fantasize about having Chip Foose do your car. But in fact, it's probably just going to be you and your car. And so here's my car. Uh, that's, that's after we've done quite a bit of restoration to it. You probably remember seeing it in the, in the parking lot. Um, and, uh, and so I, you know, it looks okay now, but see what you don't see about this car is if it were to rain, the car would leak. As a matter of fact, I didn't know this when I first bought the car. The first time it rained, there was an inch of water in the floor panels inside the car. Inside the car, which is frowned upon in the restoration community, right? 
And so I'd shove towels in there and I'd try to, I bought a car cover for it and, and, and that was it. Um, this is my greatest memory of my car. Uh, that was in the, the roads in Azusa Canyon um, and uh, it, it broke down. And see how the brake lights are on? That's because the brake lights would just come on <laughs> while you're driving and you couldn't get them off. And so you'd, you'd turn the car off and then you'd walk around and the brake lights would still be on and then after a while they'd finally turn off uh, or the battery would die, in which case they'd turn off. Uh, this, is my, um, this is when I redid all the wiring in the, in the, uh, the dashboard. See, I, can't, I don't even know what half the things are. I couldn't even say dashboard. Uh, uh, which, and, and so... Like, I remember that um, I, I, on this particular one, I was working on the horn because the horn would just go off while you're driving. And if it got too hot inside for some reason, like the little rubber things would like start to decompress. And so you'd be out of light and, and, and it'd just go. Aah! And the person in front of you like looks in the rear view mirror and does one of these. Like, what's your problem? And you're like. Just me honking. Yeah, that's what I love to do. I'd take a corner. People looking like, okay, dude, you got a Mustang. We get it. Big deal. Look at you in your midlife crisis driving around. You know, it was terrible. So, so I'd rip the, the cover off. Um, and, and then I'd have to unplug the thing and I'd, I, and it'd be shot, it'd be like, you know, and, and then other sounds <clears throat> would come out. And, uh, and so it just, it was just, it was just an albatross around my neck. And I, I just, you know, people, I'd talk to people and they're like, you got him. Oh, I remember the day I sold my Mustang. I never should have sold my Mustang. I never should have bought my Mustang. The thing just, it just, I'm just not, I'm not good. And then I'd see something like Kai's Mustang, right? Which just mocks you when you, when you have a car. It, it like, doesn't it look like it has a smiley face? Like, ha, 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 you know, I'm better than you. And so uh, that, that thing was awesome. And then I'd see, like I saw this car when I was up in Big Bear, just this really mint condition totally restored. That's the color I wanted and all, all that kind of stuff. And so, so here, here's the thing. Uh, this is why I'm not a good restorer of cars. I wrote out a list of things and uh, we'll get to the Bible in a second. Um, <laughs> I just need this process to get this all, 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 all worked out. One, I'm, I'm impatient. And if you're going to restore a car, you either need to have patience or a lot of money. And I had neither. And so the process just took so long. And, and, and so that was one thing. Uh, another thing, I noticed everything wrong. So it doesn't matter what I did. It was the thing that was wrong that I noticed. In every little thing, interior, exterior, engine, all of it. I, I'd walk up to the car, you'd see Mustang and go, man, that's really cool. I just saw chipped paint. I saw, you know, wacky, weird things, all, all this kind of stuff. That, that was another problem I have actually in life. Uh, I, I didn't celebrate successes. So I'd fix something, like I fixed the power steering and like normally you'd be like, yeah, I fixed the power steering. I'm a man or whatever you're supposed to say as a car guy. I don't know. But I would just be like, oh, there's like three hours of my life gone. And now I got to get to the next thing. The next, this bracket I got to replace or whatever. So I didn't do that very well. Um, I didn't enjoy the process. 
Some guys, they got their can or whatever in the garage and they got the tunes going and whatever and they, they like that and it's up on blocks and their hands are greasy and they're, they're all greasy and they're like, yeah, I, this is kind of more my speed. And so I just was like, I didn't enjoy the process. I didn't like ordering parts, taking parts off and putting parts on, which is kind of important when you're restoring a car. Uh, I didn't understand the requirements early. I bought the car to be a daily driver that would retain its value. So I could pay for a car, do a little bit of stuff, try to learn about cars, and then at the end, I could sell it for just as much money or more than I bought it for. I didn't understand it would be up on blocks, that it would sometimes be in the shop for five days, that it would, I, I didn't understand the cost really of what it was like to have a a car like that. I had unrealistic expectations, which I think we've all determined at this point. Uh, I'd rather do it on my own, but couldn't. And so I really like the idea of like having all the tools and being good at it and ordering the right parts and kind of going in and not asking anybody any questions, but I couldn't do that. And so I just felt like I was bugging people all the time, especially Kai, uh, because Kai knew everything and I didn't know anything. And so I wanted to do it on my own, but I couldn't. And so I just felt like, ah, someone's going to be busy and I don't want to bother them. And then Finally, restored cars reminded me of what mine was not, not what it could be. Every time I saw a car that was restored, I was like, oh, I am such a failure. <laughs> I'm terrible at restoring cars. Everybody's looking at my terribly restored car that's in the, that if they have a good car, they look at mine and just shake their head. Que lastima. Oh, so what a shame. What a shame. Now, when we're talking about cars, it's one thing not to be good at restoring, right? I mean, okay, just sell the car. I did. Happiest day of my life, okay? <laughs> I drive a 1998 Ford Windstar, and the paint's peeling off, and I've never been happier. I'm, I, I, I chip off pieces of paint and hand them to people. Like, who, ca who cares? No one's going to restore a 98 Ford Windstar. All my expectations, I have no expectations, nothing. I'd be on the side of the road going, it's a Ford Windstar. What do you expect? You know, it's like all, all that's gone. But when it comes to restoring our lives, if our life looks like that, we can't just sell it. We can't just get rid of it. We can't just get, you know, figure out, have someone else do it for us. But there's this sense about all of us when we look in the mirror or when we look at where we are or when we look at where we've been, we go, this isn't right. This isn't the way it should be. There's too much potential there. Or there, th th it shouldn't be just sitting here. It should be out on the road. Or it shouldn't, and pick whatever thing of your life. I, I shouldn't be stuck here or I should be farther along. And maybe you struggle with all the things I struggled with. Maybe you're impatient. Maybe you've been dealing with something in your life for years and years and years. And, and, and you just are, are like, man, I thought I could do this in two days and I can't. Maybe your expectations were low. I thought I'd give my life to Christ and then I wouldn't have these struggles. Or, I, I, or maybe you don't celebrate successes and all you're looking at is, man, you know, I, 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 okay, that's done, but now I got to work on this and now I got to work on that. Maybe your horn just goes off. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you got an anger problem, whatever. All these things where you're just like, man, I won't. Maybe you look at other people's restored lives and it just is an indictment upon you and you go, you know what? What a shame. My life. That is not what God has for you. 
And this is why Restore is one of the pillars of our church. This is why we really care about where you are spiritually and where you're going. This is why we talk in terms of not, hey, how come you haven't been fixed yet, but are you farther along this year than you were last year? This is why in a couple weeks we, we have a service that's coming that I'm super excited about. If you can mark it on your calendars to be at a service, I'd be at the one in two weeks where we talk about this kind of stuff. Well, in Jesus' day, there were some uh, restorers, uh, car people, soul, soul people who were really interested in what you looked like and how you acted and all this kind of stuff. They were called the Pharisees. Most of us know enough about them to know that they were just interested in the outside. They were interested in appearances. And they were also interested in showing off the own restoration job they did on their own lives. And so they were puffed up and they walked around and they had a special horn on their car that got attention and said, whatever your horn sound is, um, la cucaracha or whatever, I don't know. But anyway, here's what Jesus says about these guys. Because they, they were all into the outward appearance, but people, as you know, you and I, there's deep restoration that needs to happen in our relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says this, he says, therefore... Truly, uh, very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. He's talking about what it's like to be under the care of a shepherd, of a chief restorer, if you will. I am the gate. Whoever, whoever enters through me will be saved. That's the reach part of what we do. We want people to understand that they've been redeemed, they've been ransomed by what Christ did on the cross. But then he begins to change the terminology to something different than just being saved. Something different than just kind of raising my hand going, okay, Jesus is Lord. There's, there's a different part of life that I think God wants to, wants to enter into um, our lives. He says this, The thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Here's the thing I know about you and I know about me. We were designed with a unique shape, a unique set of strengths, a unique set of spiritual gifts, a unique personality, a, a unique set of experiences. All those things create who we are. And God wants us to operate the most efficiently, the best that we possibly can. He wants us to operate the way we ought to operate. To be restored. And this is why. I've come that they may have life. And have it to the full. The Pharisees were all into the law. What did you do? What did you not do? How was your weekend? How did you do this? What did you? Jesus is more into restoration. Does he care about sin? Absolutely he cares about sin. But he's not so much interested in. Well what, what's the problem? Whereas you're pointing things out. Here, here's what I wrote down. I read this somewhere. I'd give the person credit if I knew. But it just. I knew I didn't come up with it on my own. Restoration not condemnation. This is what Jesus is interested in in your life. Restoration not condemnation. As we look at sin in our life. Yes it's damaging. Yes it's sinful. But Jesus is more worried about. That's the place you're going to get stuck. That's the thing you need to work on now. So that you can have life to the full. The abundant life. The life that you were created to have. Through your heavenly father. Now. Uh, 
what we're going to see, because we're going to turn to Galatians chapter 6, which is what Bob was talking about and that idea of bearing one another's burdens, we're actually going to look at that particular verse as well. Is that restoration happens in community. Now, there can be some restoration that happens by ourselves. You know, and, and, and again, if you're like me with the car, that's what you'd prefer. That's what I would prefer. I would prefer to come to church on Sunday morning, listen to a sermon, have it impact my life. Oh man, tomorrow's going to be a different day. I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You go to church on Sunday. Oh, I feel guilty. Oh boy, yep. Oh boy, they're speaking right to me. I think the pastor woke up. I think he woke up in the middle of the night and God gave him my name. He totally did. Okay, anyway. Um, anyway, so, you know, and then, and then, so Monday's going to be different. Monday's going to be different. And Monday, you go to work on Monday. I'm not going to hate my boss. I'm not going to hate my boss. And the boss comes in and puts a stack of papers and you're like, I hate my boss. Ah, and you go to, on Sunday, kill, 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 kill. That's it. That's it. Just get, just hammer me with it. Yep. Okay. Now I'm ready to enter in the week. That is not a recipe for restoration. That is a recipe for condemnation. Restoration happens in community. W- one of the things I noticed that I wish I was better at and wish I could have enjoyed more, uh, uh, the best times of my restoration of that Mustang were the times I spent with Kai. And for a number of reasons. One, Kai has more tools than you could ever have. Kai has tools to find his tools. He has tools that make things that make tools. Uh, it's just, there's just everything you can imagine, which makes the process a lot easier when you have the right tool, okay? The other thing that was awesome about Kai is he had a lot of knowledge, And so he could say, whatever you do, don't do this. There was something he told me I wasn't supposed to do. The car is gone, so I don't care now. But there was some piece I was never supposed to turn upside down. I can't remember what it was. He'll remember. But I just remember. So I didn't turn any of the pieces upside down because I was frightened. And so I just carried them all around like this. Whatever you do, don't turn it upside down. Okay, but this is all about what happens in community. The reason he knew that is because he fixed cars in community and this, this kind of knowledge that began to happen. Now watch, what, this, watch the way Galatians expresses this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, make sure you just tell them that is wrong. <laughs> right? No. Hold on a second. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I want you to notice what Paul's saying. He's not saying just ignore the sin. We're all sinners. We all have problems. Leave the guy alone. You know, hey, it's calling it sin. As a matter of fact, this word caught is is like caught. It means it means to to take it's like it's like to take beforehand. Like like you you reached for something you weren't supposed to have and your hands in the cookie jar or whatever, and they walk through the door and you are caught. Like you tried to get to this beforehand. You're at the bank teller, gun in hand, like, hey. And the police come in and you're like, oh, you're caught, okay? Fill in whatever your blank is. Mine just happens to be robbing banks. For you, it might be something different. But you are caught. Now watch what the community is supposed to do. If anyone is caught, They're stuck. They're red-handed. There they are. As a community, we restore them gently, being led by the Spirit. That's our job. This is why, if you have been around here long enough, anybody can walk through those doors and have a seat. Anyone can belong before they believe. 
We will accept anyone coming through those doors. Some of you have come through the doors and one of the things you've said to me right off the bat is I probably don't belong here. You absolutely belong here. You're caught, come on in. Now, what we won't do here as a community is let you stay stuck. We're not going to just ignore it and go, well, it's okay. You'll be fine. Ah, don't worry about it. We're all sinners. We are going to try to get you restored gently as best we can being led by the Spirit. Now, there are some problems that Paul's going to identify with this restoration process, things to look out for. And here's one of them. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. As you begin to work on you, as you begin to work on others, as we begin to be a family together, as we begin to kind of go through these processes in our small groups and in different things, as Bob was mentioning, that, that carry um, service was awesome on Wednesday of just hearing our, the things we're going to pray for and then all of us praying for those things. It's beautiful. In this process, be careful. You might all of a sudden start to think, ah, I look pretty good. I'm kind of restored. Or you might start to think, man, they call that a problem? I better not say anything. Watch yourselves. You may also be tempted one way or the other. He goes on. Check this out. This is so cool. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is the restoration process right here is to carry each other's burdens. As a matter of fact, um, this, this statement, the law of Christ, is um, it's the only place in the Bible that this, this phrase is used. And so scholars, because this is what scholars do, they contemplate about all this stuff. Why is this the only thing? And what really is the law of Christ? And, you know, is it love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself? Is it do unto others? Like, what is the law of Christ? So uh, in going through kind of researching that this week, I have no idea. But here's what I'm more interested in. Who cares what the law is if you know how to fulfill it? <laughs> right? If you know how to fulfill the law of Christ, it doesn't really matter how you define it or what happens. The law of Christ is that we carry one another's burdens. And so there's a sense in that, um, that the restoration process is one that involves all of us. It was interesting, as Kai and I were working on the Mustangs, uh, he would work on his, I would work on mine. And uh, then he would help me with mine. And then it was kind of cool because no matter how much knowledge he had or how many tools he had, there were things he had to do that he still needed me. Either hold all the things that he had to do or get him some water or whatever. No, there were times when I had to hold something so that he could get his job done. That you just couldn't do on your own. That I got to help him with. And so oftentimes the temptation in church is, well, he's the pastor, he's a small group leader, and I, uh, you know, I, what do I have to offer? You have a ton to offer. Tons. That's why we watch each other and how we live our lives and we learn from each other and we, we come forward. And sometimes the most instructive thing is you say, let me tell you how I've blown it. And everyone goes, wow, let's be careful not to do that. You still helped. Because you're in community. He says, carry one another's burdens and you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
And then he points out these other couple things that we have to watch out for when we restore. If anyone thinks they are something, when they're not, they deceive themselves. You know, it's kind of cool. Um, we just happen to be in a church where I just don't feel like this happens very much in our church. I, I don't get that to be our thing. Like there's some people in here who think they've arrived and think they're better than anyone. Now that, that could happen and we all get in that. And maybe just by saying that, I did it myself. I said, our church is so good. We don't even talk about this. I have no idea. But, uh, but that's on me and not on you guys, okay? If anyone thinks there's something, when they're not, they deceive themselves. Well, we kind of all knew that. We've all met people like that, okay? But watch. It goes on, because this is the most kind of important part of that. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to anyone else. Now, to someone else. Listen to this. This is so freeing. It's freeing on a number of different levels. One, what, what, when you test something, what you're interested in is how well does it perform? In other words, there's this idea that we don't just test in order to look good. We test in order to perform well. One of the things that Kai kept telling me over and over again, and it was so against my nature. When I bought the car, there was obviously a whole bunch of stuff that needed to be done. But I wanted to do one thing first. And Kai said, you have to, whatever you do, do that last. And I'm like, okay, how about second? How about third? No, do whatever you do. That's the last thing you do. And I'm like, it's the first. Okay, please, <laughs> can I just do this first? You are going to regret it. You're going to regret it. You're going to regret it. And what I wanted to do was paint it. Because then who cares how long it takes to fix it if it looks good on the outside? And he was talking about exactly what happens as you're working on the car and as you're working and doing all this kind of stuff and things bang the paint and then all, you know, you've spent all this money on a paint job and then you, you were working on something and you put a tool on there and you scratch the paint and it's, it's going to drive you crazy. But I just wanted it to be painted because I just wanted it to look good. At least when I'm, if I'm going to honk at somebody at a red light, you know, at least let it look good, you know. But, but this is the thing. Each one should test their own actions. It's for performance that we restore, not for looks. Now, it may be that our life looks more appealing after we've been restored. That, that might happen. But in fact, the point is that we want an abundant life, not an abundant just showroom appearance. And so we test our own actions that they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. This is really important. You know that the Bible says it's okay to look back on your life and go, man, I've come a long way. See, just as I was restoring the Mustang and I'd fix something and immediately go to the next thing, that kind of represents how I am spiritually a lot of times. I will get over something or move, move some place in my life or I've gotten a farther and farther and farther along. And I just dismiss it like, yeah, but there's this thing, but there's this thing. And what Paul is saying is, take a look at your life. Again, this is why at our church we talk about where are you a year from now? Not where are you now. We're all not where we want to be now. Some of us have rest. Some of us, you know, can't take a corner very well. Some of us, you know, we sputter a little bit. You know, we, our horn goes off, whatever. That's fine. Where will you be a year from now? 
And it's okay to look back and celebrate that. The children's ministry this uh, morning is going over, uh, crossing over the Jordan. And so they have little rocks that they get to keep of reminding. Did the second service do that too, the little rocks? Okay, maybe. Our best teacher is in here right now. Okay, anyway, I'm playing around. Okay, so, uh, but they have these rocks that they get to remember. Man, you remember that. Remember when you used to struggle with this? Look where you are now. The Bible says that's perfectly acceptable without comparing themselves to someone else, either negative or positive. Like I said, with that Mustang, I'd look at a fully restored car and I'm like, I'm a failure. No, look at the car. Where was it when you bought it? Where is it now? Well, actually, the interior is looking pretty good now. Yeah, don't worry about that. And don't look at the other guy who's driving a rust bucket and go, he doesn't even care about his car. Your car, your life, your soul. It ends with this. For each one should carry their own load. And when you look at this, it looks like verse 5 contradicts verse 2. Verse 5 is each one should carry their own load. Verse 2 is we should carry one another's burdens. Well, so which is it? And if I'm going to be carrying your burden, how do I carry my own load? And vice versa. If I'm just concerned about everybody else, I'm not looking at myself and I'm rushing around and I'm trying to help all these other people, but my life is going down the tubes, what good is that? Here's the answer to that question. Both. A healthy biblical community is responsible for themselves. Begins to think, how did God shape me? How does God want me to get through the day? How does God want me to get through the week? And how can I help somebody else? Either through the mistakes I've made and helping them get through or in just giving them time and presence and space. It's both. I want to show you a little picture just because it's, it's fun and then we'll, we'll end with some of the things that Jesus has to say about this restoration process because it gets overwhelming. But um, I just want to show you just one, one of the re- restorative things that happened here on campus. This was our uh, boys' bathroom before we started the, um, the release campaign. And... Uh, you can, there's a bunch of homeless uh, stuff there. And uh, <clears throat> those are floor urinals. Uh, and then the sinks are different sizes. But here it is now uh, with the countertops and all this kind of stuff. It looks beautiful. If you can, if you can make your way over there, it's, it's, this doesn't do it justice. But it looks awesome. I hated that process. I, there wasn't really one part of that process I really liked. You know why? Because I'm impatient. I don't celebrate successes. I look at how long something takes as failure rather than, hey, that's just how long things get. If this were my life, I would not be focused on that picture. I'd be focused on the process of why did it take so long to go from that to go from that? That's a me problem. Now, it's okay with a bathroom. But not with our own souls. These are journeys. Let me show you what Jesus says as the worship band comes up. Jesus said this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Yeah, that first part of restore is rest. You can't restore a moving car. You just can't. There needs to be a place of rest where this takes place. This is one of the reasons why we're so big on trying to get to church every Sunday. 
It's not because you got to go to church and if you don't feel guilty, that's condemnation. It's just oftentimes our life gets so fast paced and we say yes to all these different things that when Sunday comes, it's just like, I don't even have enough. Get rest. It's a Sabbath. Set it aside. Rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. And then it says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen. God has created you in a certain way. And I don't know how you want to describe it in car terms. It might be a you know, Cadillac Escalade, you know, he might be a souped up hot rod, whatever. He's created you in a certain way. And one of the reasons why restore is such a big part of what we do here and what we want to do here and where we're moving big time in 2014 is because we want a church where you are operating the way God has created you to operate. Where there's no condemnation for where you are now, but yet there is motivation to go, come on, let's go to the next thing. Let's... Let's get under the hood and get that done.